you may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send in your questions, comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com and we will answer as many as we can. You know, we're always looking to live a happy and healthy life. But it happens, we get grumpy, we get moody, what to do, and we prefer not to walk around drugged all day long. Anyways, our guest today can help us with our day-to-day mood, and not only does she talk the talk, she walks the walk. Sarah Khanna Silverstein is the author of Moodtopia, a master herbalist, classical homeopath, lots of other stuff, I couldn't remember them, mother of seven, and she's been featured on all the major networks and is interviewed on radio and podcasts across the country. Sarah Khanna, how are you today? Rabbi Tzvi, it's such an honor. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I am so looking forward. You know, Thank I even, you. You know, I know, you know, on LinkedIn, I put up your, your little um, promo over there. It looked like so much fun. But, but let's find out who is Sarah Khanna Silverstein. So I, as you said, I'm a mother of seven. Um, I began by helping women that had breastfeeding problems as a lactation consultant. And after working with over 28,000 women and their husbands, mind you, one of the things that they felt would often get in the way of their success was their moodiness. And our moods are really important, and being moody is a phenomenal place to be in as long as you don't get hijacked by it. So I tell the story to you all the time that I come from California in the Hollywood Hills. And in the Hollywood Hills, there's canyons and canyons, and there's no street roads, straight roads when you're up there. And there was a corner every morning when my mother was driving the carpool that there would be a near accident. And she would every day say, oh, wow, thank God we didn't get killed today, because it was a really dangerous corner. So after getting angrier and angrier about it, she called the city and said, you know, we really need a stop sign there. And this was in the old days before social media, and they said, well, if you can get a 1,000 signatures from people in your area, we will put a stop sign there. And my mother, with her anger, because anger is such a powerful emotion, it can literally change change the world, change situations. She got a 1,000 signatures, and to this day, there is a stop sign on that corner. So if she got angry and didn't do anything with that power, then anger would be a negative emotion. But that anger actually gave her the impetus and the power and strength to make change in the world. So I wish, Rabbi Speed, that in elementary school and junior high and high school, besides mathematics and history, we had classes on emotional health. Because what happens is when people get these strong emotions of sadness or frustration, either they take it out on everyone around them, or they're so embarrassed by these powerful emotions that they stay home and end up getting depressed and feel like they can't be part of society because they look around and say, well, no one else is as moody as I am. And God made us moody. 
And moodiness has its benefits. You know, it's interesting you say that because here in Detroit, um, so the schools benefit a lot from the Jewish Federation. And it was really last year that there were a lot of meetings. They met with schools and principals and teachers and parents. And one of the topics that kept coming up was mental health. And because of those meetings, we've actually brought in, as far as I know, to all the schools, I know we have it by us, um, we brought in social workers. Right. And there's a lot of children, I I told somebody yesterday, I said, my class of 25, there's at least, that I I could easily tell there are six children with different levels, whether it's anxiety, moodiness, uh, that have mental health situations. And they benefit tremendously from having social workers in the school that they can speak to instead of having to be thrown out, sit in the principal's office with uh, no one to take care of them. And they need to have a place and a safe space to discuss what they're really actually feeling because there's a message or something they need to learn from that emotion. So the statistics go like this in America. One out of five Americans are on psychotropic drugs. They're prescribed by their GPs, their general practitioners, who spends an average of six, maybe eight minutes with the patient. Once they're put on these psychotropic drugs, doctors rarely discuss the potential side effects, and people aren't told when and if they should go off of it. Now, normal, natural things that we used to tell our doctors, like, I have trouble falling asleep, I occasionally want to stab my husband, I get really angry, is immediately medicated. Okay, we don't want to stab our husbands. I was kidding about that. But I'm saying that the, the typical emotions that people do feel are trying to be squenched by medication. And that's not the way to handle it. So if you're constantly frustrated, you need to either work with a social worker and, Rabbi see there are herbs that people have used for thousands of years before pharmaceuticals were available that were there to help us with our real struggles in life because bad things happen to good people, we know. And sometimes people can have really difficult days, weeks, months, or years And to give them nothing to help their cortisol levels and their adrenaline rushes be lowered and more in control is not fair. And that's where herbs shine. And that's why I wrote my book, Moodtopia, because I want people to know about the herbs, the plants they can grow on their windowsills or in their backyards, or they can buy them in prepared tinctures or medicinal forms. And these herbs are there to help them. So I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but I like to ask it also. If if these herbs, these medicines have been around, we'll say forever, but you said thousands of years, which is close to forever. um, So what happened? All the doctors came along and decided to ignore what always worked and ignored um, really something that should be healthier, simpler, and uh, and, uh, just help us move along with life in a pleasant way. Like what happened? Well, there's a lot of things that happen. Number one is you can't patent a plant. So from a legal perspective, you can patent a part of a plant or a chemical component of the plant. And so in order to make the money and say that no one else can make this drug except for you, you have to be able to patent it. 
So with aspirin, for instance, it was a remarkable drug. You and I don't think about it anymore because it's like, oh, we have Tylenol or Advil. But before aspirin, if you had a toothache or you had the flu or you had a migraine, there was not much you could do about it unless you know of an herbalist. And so what happened was the Native Americans were using this herb called white willow bark. And the 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 people that came to America saw that the Native Americans had this kind of cure. So they took the white willow bark, they looked at it and dissected it and found that salicylic acid was what they felt was the main component to deal with pain. So they took the salicylic acid and made aspirin. Now, long-term use of aspirin, which a lot of Hundreds and thousands, if not millions, of adults take it now to thin their blood. Long-term use of it causes tinnitus or ringing in the ears. You know, all those commercials on the radio, if you have tinnitus, come to our clinic. That's because of the long-term use of aspirin. But if you take white willow bark, even twice a day for 40, 50 years, you're never going to have tinnitus. Why? Because when God created the the plant or the tree white willow bark, there's a hundred or so components in it that we don't know what they do. We don't know what their use is, but God clothes it in such a way that it has the salicylic acid and anything it that could cause side effects is also taken care of. The medicine glucophage, metformin, which is the number one diabetic drug in America today, is made from a herb called goat's rue. So to answer your question, because I'm doing it in a roundabout way, is that in order to market a medicine, A, you want people to have to take it once a day, whereas an herb, the downside to herb is you need to take it three times a day. The upside to the herb is that your body will metabolize it and get rid of whatever it doesn't need. So for convenience, and America's a very quick-fix nation, pharmaceuticals took over and they squashed all the information because you've got to badmouth the other things in order for you to look better. So that's what happened. But there's a lot of double-blind clinical study on the efficacy of herbs. There's a lot of research going on about the herbs. There's the German e-commission that was established after World War II where they did research into hundreds and hundreds of herbs and showed in studies how they affect the body in a positive way and or if in a negative way, but most of it was positive. And actually in Iran right now, because of the embargo from the U.S., they've been doing more research on herbs than anybody else. So there's a lot of data about the positive effects of herbs. They just don't make the press. You have to kind of search for them or work with a master herbalist. Like yourself. Absolutely. Like so- There's an herb called skullcap, for instance. Skullcap is not the yarmulke that you put on your head in the herbal world. Skullcap is from the mint family. It is for nervousness, stress, and anxiety. So I don't know if any of your listeners have that, but I'm raising my no. hand very high in the air. My students. I definitely. <laughs> Can I hand it out to students when they walk in? Can you? Yes. Yeah, you have to speak, to, your, you have to, speak to, to who's in charge of the school. But Skullcap is for nervousness and anxiety. You can take it before you have a big meeting at work. You can take it if you're traveling for your work and you get nervous in airports. Um, if you have a date with either your wife or husband or on a new date, you can take some Skullcap. It does not have any of the hangover effects like other 
medicines that help you calm down. It's not addictive. And it's amazing. I don't know why it doesn't have the press that it should, but Skullcap is an herb that's safe and easy to take. So when we, again, and I deal with children in my class with anxiety and nervousness and other types of stuff. I've just finished studying seven hours with one of my children for a test. He says he did well, which is all we care about. Anyways, um, are you anti-doctors? Are you telling people not to go to their doctors if they need drugs? No. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I usually begin my shows with that. I am not anti-Western medicine. I actually lecture for doctors and midwives and nurses all across the country. And what we need to do with herbal medicine is integrate it in our Western medicine because it's complementary to the work that our doctors do. If you have a kid with chronic ear infections, and if there's anybody out there that's on psychotropic drugs, they can truly save lives, and I'm not against that. I'm just talking about the average typical person that's going through their day that need a little help with depression or anxiety or frustration. So I was talking about ear infections for one quick moment. If your kid has chronic ear infections and you've been on eight or ten rounds of antibiotics. Chaolic. Right. Well, that's one of the ideas for sure. But that means the antibiotics not clearing it up. And those are the kids that come to me and with a blessing, the herbs take away the fluid in their ears and they don't need tubes in their ears. So emotionally also, Rabbi Tzvi, it's important to know that you may have to try different combinations of herbs to find what works for you. But for instance, all rose petals are edible. Roses, when you hand someone roses, they feel better. And if you go to visit someone at the hospital, you give them roses. But taking roses internally really helps with broken hearts. And it is a, a, a herb you can take in tea form, or I like my herbs in tincture. And you know, People are walking around with broken hearts all the time, and they go on Zoloft or Prozac, and it doesn't fix their broken heart. So I'm not saying that someone doesn't also need to speak to a social worker or a therapist, but all the rose plants, including hawthorn, hawthorn berry is used for high blood pressure. And if you're borderline high blood pressure, the doctor says, you know what, you got to exercise more, eat a little less carbs, and you're almost needing medicine. That's a time you can take hawthorn berries, which is in the rose family, because it helps regulate the heartbeat and lower the blood pressure. Rose is in the same family, and rose is for people that feel like they have broken hearts. If a marriage fell apart, Rabbi Tzvi, or you have a child that's not doing well, I mean, why not have a cup of, of rose tea and see if that helps you feel better? So you led me into something else I had written down where you talked about this, um, you yourself, not only obviously you're a your herbologist and you help people, but you yourself um, had a situation, if you'd like to talk about it, um, your own story with your daughter and what you needed to take and help yourself deal with your own personal situation. Well, my daughter was hit by a car. It appeared that she was fine, and she ended up having her spine swell with what is called transverse myelitis. She went from being a completely 100% healthy 25-year-old to ending up becoming a quadriplegic paralyzed from the shoulders down, and we lived in the hospital together for 7.5 months. Now, 
I want to say the good news with a lot of alternative care, a lot of herbs, a lot of blessings. She is walking um, around the house without a cane and in public with a cane. She is on her way to a complete, as we say, refuah or healing. But what had happened was I had written my book proposal for my book, Moodtopia, before this tragic accident happened. I had not sold the book yet to a publisher, and I kind of put it on hold. I was living in the hospital. And unconsciously, Rabbi Tzvi, subconsciously, without thinking of it, I started including every single chapter of Moodtopia into our lives. I put a sign on her door in the hospital that said, no one can enter unless they're in a good mood. Because I didn't want the nurses or the doctors that were having problems with their own boyfriends or husbands to bring that energy into our room. I brought in live plants and flowers. I moved all the furniture and what I talk about in my book, a feng shui, which is a good energy um, positioning. I started spraying essential oils in the room and Rabbi Tzvi, I want to tell you that the nurses would come in and say, oh my gosh, what's that smell, Sarahana? Because hospitals smell like death and dying, and I did not want that smell to be in our room. I do not believe that essential oils can help with borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia, which a lot of people say on Instagram and the Internet that it does. It will not. That's not what essential oils are for. But we would spray different oils in the room, and the doctors and the nurses felt better being in our room. They loved coming to us. And even some of the nurses would say, can we eat lunch in your room because it smells so great here? So if you need to shift the energy, if your house has negative energy or your office, you can buy a 99-cent little spritzy bottle, put some water in it, add a couple drops of an essential oil and spray it, and shift the energy. And in our original temple in Jerusalem, we used to have a mizbeach or a um, an altar. altar where we burned oils and twigs and leaves. So essential oils is not a new funky thing. It's something that people have used for thousands of years. And I want people to bring this back into their lives because there's a lot of tools we can do to help us feel better. And that was my story with my daughter. I mean, it was really a hard place to be. And the question was, how did my daughter and I keep our spirits up? And I've got to tell you, I often went to the bathroom and cried and laid on the floor of the bathroom. I mean, I was not always in a great emotional state, but the herbs I took helped me stay stable so I could help my daughter. And my daughter ended up having the strongest self-confidence And even when the doctors told her she was never going to get out of bed, she worked every single day of her life, and she healed. So I want to tell you that in my book, Moodtopia, not only do I speak about herbs, but I speak about an outlook that I feel everybody can benefit from when they're going through crises. And hopefully no one will go through the crisis that I went through, Rabbi Tzvi, but for some people just... Going to the store is a crisis. Just going to a mall and finding parking can be a crisis for them. And just staying in a good mood 
can put them in a crisis feeling, and that's what Moodtopia talks about. Yeah, and that's uh, the next thing I wanted to jump to. I have so many notes written down, and our time is flying. But Moodtopia is not only about the, the herbs and the aromatherapy, but you actually have a whole chapter about laughing and the importance of laughing in your moods. And you take it a step further, you say it's even worth faking it. Could you, could yes. you explain that? Well, I'm going to start by telling you this study. There was a study that, that they took 450 students and they put them in a room and they would grade, they wanted the students to grade a scale of 1 to 10 of funniness, the cartoons or the comics. And during one group, they had the pencil in their mouth perpendicular to the ground, which made their mouth in a fake smile. And the other group put their mouth, the pencil in between their teeth to make a frown. And they showed that just by putting a fake smile on your face changed the chemistry in your brain. And the students found those comics funnier. So you know, we're in a generation, Rabbi Tzvi, where everyone's like, you know, say it, you know, you've got to express your emotions. And I'm not saying anybody shouldn't. But if you're having a horrible, terrible day, and you have planned a month ago to go on a date with your husband, you need to fake it. And you need to fake that you're in a good mood, and your mind will follow that. And if you're having a horrible day, clinical studies show that if you smile at people, even if you're not in a good mood, that your cortisol levels, which are your stress hormones, will drop down. And random acts of kindness, I want to just jump to that and we can go back to faking it, but... It's amazing because studies show that when you do a random act of kindness, which costs you no money, even if you're not in a good mood, it will lower your blood pressure and it will lower your cortisol and increase your oxytocin. Your oxytocin is your feel-good hormone. So if you're having a terrible, horrible day or a terrible, horrible week or a terrible, horrible month, you need to practice faking a smile because it will change the chemistry in your brain. And whenever you're out and about, you need to just hold the door open for someone or offer to carry a package of groceries for someone that's older because when you do random acts of kindness and smile at other people, even besides the fact of making them feel better, your internal chemistry is going to change so that you can get into a better mood yourself. So it's amazing. So when I'm, when I'm not me, I'm always in a good mood, but um, when a person is, is feeling down and he doesn't want to talk to anybody and, and he's, leave me alone and don't bother me, really the best thing for that person is to a little bit go out of their comfort zone or where they want to be and on purpose say, no, I'm going to help someone, I'm going to smile at someone, and that'll automatically put them in the mood they would like to be in. And really, if you've got a mother with a stroller and a toddler and you hold the door open for them, they don't really care what kind of mood you're in, Rabbi Speed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can even stay in your grumpy mood, but what's going to happen is when that person nods their head and says, thank you, your cortisol or stress hormones automatically going to decrease. So there's a couple different ways to get in a happier mood. One is internally to speak to a therapist for months and years, talking about what your mother did to you and your childhood traumas. And I'm not saying that's not beneficial, but that takes a long time. But in my book, Mootopia, I talk about 
just laugh because the spasm of the diaphragm going up and down gives an internal massage to your internal organs and it raises your oxytocin which is your feel-good hormone so even if you're not in the mood to laugh just go watch some stupid dumb show for 10 minutes and let out a couple laughs so there are things we can do when our stress levels get too high and you don't have to spend a lot of money that's the point with my book i mean if you have tons of money Rabbi Tzvi, and you can go get a massage every day, speak to a therapist every day, you know, take expensive drugs, fine. But for the majority of people, they don't have those kind of finances, and they need to have ways where they don't spend money to help themselves and their loved ones feel good. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. I like when people feel good, which actually, you know, as I, I told you, I read through the book. I always read through the books people send me. Um, you have a lot of stories, a lot of, you know, what, what's happening to people, how to help them, what they should be taking, moods and stuff. But I did notice that, you know, most of the stories, if not all, seem to be about women. So does that mean that um, somebody like me, men don't get grumpy, this herbal stuff is only for women? You know, it's so funny, and I'm working on my next book, my Moodtopia 2, and I'm definitely going to exp- um, going to talk more about men. And I agree with you. I apologize about that. But no. Herbs work phenomenally well for men, and men can be grumpy, and men can feel overwhelmed, and herbs are very important. In the Asian countries, men take a lot of different ginsengs, which give them strength and energy, and men all over the world use herbal medicine. So I apologize that most of my stories are about women, but I think a lot of men can just jump in those shoes and they'll feel exactly the same way. Men get sad, men get depressed, Men get frustrated, and they also need tools to get out of their rut. Okay, cool. So as my time is flying, two more things I think we'll get into. One is, I told you when we were talking, um, my father's a pharmacist, and uh, he wanted to have a second uh, job, bring in a little more income, take care of the children's tuition. So he worked for a pharmacy called Walita. Well, Lita, for those who don't know, I believe it's either Austrian or German. It's a homeopathic-type medicine, and it seems they needed a pharmacist on staff. So he, I remember he told me the story that he was making one of these tincture, I'm not sure exactly what you would call it, some vat of, uh, of medicine, of herbs, and the, the owner of the store came in the next morning, and he said to my father, when did you make this? And my father said, oh, I made it last night. So he said, oy vey. You, I don't know if he said oy vey. Um, He said, you made it. Uh, when there was a full moon out, we cannot use this. And he dumped this five-gallon stuff uh, down the toilet. And I, from that story, I always, like, wondered, uh, is 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 this herbology, is a, is a lot of it, uh, like, idol worship? Or that was just that funny story with my father? That was just that funny story with your father. Because um, we know that certain plants are better if they're harvested in the morning or the evening. Just because certain plants will have more dew on them in the morning, they'll dry out more in the afternoon. We pick certain plants according to the seasons. Like there's an herbal formulation called um, gemology, where um, um, gemos, I'm so sorry, gemos, where they take the bud of the flower before it blooms. And there's a very specific time at the blooming of that bud that they make it into medicine. But from all the herbalists I work with and the herbal medicine I practice, there's no 
um, hocus pocus. There's nothing like that at all. We really use the herbal medicine. We just know when's the best time to um, to make it into medicine. But I'm I I think what that. I would never throw it back to medicine. There's no way. So okay. I don't know what was going on. I forgot to ask on that one. It is amazing your knowledge of, I say three words, and you could give me a whole encyclopedic uh, explanation. But this I, I, I did want to jump into because I know you're going to Israel. Is it next week or in two weeks for um, for a conference in Israel? And there's been some BDS issues. Could you uh, just uh, tell us what's going on with that? Sure, I would love to. So Israel has made um, the first ever international herbal conference. Now, I want to tell you that there are international herbal conferences. I've spoken at the one here in the States. They're all over the world. And in Israel, they decided that they wanted to start bringing herbalists from all over the world to teach about botanical medicine. Um, and what happened was the formator of the, the formulator of the conference had invited a couple um, Jewish participants um, from America. They were not Orthodox Jews. They were just Jew by birth. And the BDS sent them threatening emails and threatened to close their clinics and stop their um, clientele from using them. And they tried to shut down this conference. Um, I'm the only um, American herbalist from the American Herbalist Guild, AHG, that will be attending the conference. The conference is not closed down, and this was a vicious attack to try to stop Americans from going and spending money in Israel. And it may seem like it's a small venue because it's, oh, just an herbal conference, but what if this was a conference on Down syndrome children? And what if the Israelis had come up with some great insight into ways to help educate and they wanted to have an international conference? Um, it's inappropriate for the BDS to have the ability and the power to scare people into not attending conferences in Israel. So I'm proudly going, Rabbi Tzvi, and I'm excited to be representing America at this conference. Good. I'm glad you're going, because when we talk again, you're going to tell me how the conference went to let people know that, uh, that the conference is important and we want people to go, and you don't like it, don't go. But, but And I, I want to let you know that the, the, the woman that made this conference, that organized it, said... I wouldn't mind if a Palestinian herbalist spoke at the conference. I wouldn't mind if a Muslim, Christian, Buddhist. This was a non-political, this is a non-political and not a religious conference. It's a conference for master herbalists to teach the laymen and the people of Israel about botanical medicine. So this is not a conference that is limited only to Jewish people, Rabbi Tzvi. It's open to the world that wants to know about herbal medicine, and that's the most important thing to know. Okay, amazing. So my time has been flying. We've been having so much fun, learning so much. Some of those things I have to look up, big skullcap and things. We're going to take care of all that's all in the book. Um, two questions I would like to leave you with, or I'd like you to leave us with. One is, um, how can we get your book? And second of all, um, what would you like to leave us with? So my book is available online in every place that sells books. Very easy, and I don't represent Amazon, but it's one click away. It's called Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress, 
using herbal remedies, aromatherapy, and more. And the most important thing is there's and more. My name is Sarah Hanna without an H. You can reach me at moodtopiabook at gmail. And um, I'm on Instagram. Every day it's me on Instagram, or not every day, but a couple times a week, I put up very short two-minute videos introducing people to botanicals, to herbs, so that they can start to just kind of understand it a little bit, really quick little tidbits. And the last word that you want me to leave you with is I think that we're not responsible and not able to control what happens to us in life, just how we respond. And I think that people have a lot more control over that than they think. And I want people to know that when you're in a moody place, whether it's sadness, frustration, or anger, there's usually a lesson you need to learn because everything is hashkacha pratis, meaning it happens for a reason. So if you're in that emotional state and you take a moment or a day and analyze why it's there, there's usually always a powerful, powerful message. And once you start to understand what that message is, then you can make the changes you need in your life. Do we have time for one last second? Yes, story yes, or, or yes. We, no, we have time for another story. Go for it. Okay, because this is exact. This is exact um, example. So I had a woman that came to me, and um, she had been on psychotropic medicines for depression for about 10, 15 years, and they just weren't working. They just weren't helping her enough. So she came in, and I gave her a homeopathic remedy, which is a discussion for another time, and the next day, she started crying and crying and crying, called me up and said, Sarah Khan, I'm never taking this remedy again. I can't stop crying. And I didn't hear from her again. And six weeks later, I see that her name is in my book. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's coming for a follow-up. She hated the remedy. She sits on my couch, and she says this. She goes, a week after I took that remedy, I went over to my boss, who I would worked for for 10 years, and I quit. And I said, you know what? I've got a list of 15 things that you're doing that's not right for me as a worker. And unless you want to change them, I'm leaving. And he changed those 15 things. Amazing. The next day, she went to her kid's school, which was a private school, and she took her two kids out of the school because they were the school that her in-laws wanted, but she never felt they were good for her kids, but she didn't have the strength to take them out. And the third thing she did, Rabbi Tzvi, is she went into her husband's savings account, which they shared, of course, and she put she put money down on a new apartment because she had moved into his bachelor pad, and they had two kids now, and she didn't feel the apartment was appropriate for four people. So she looked him in the eye. She said, Sarhana, how did I do that? How did I do that? And the homeopathic remedy gave her the proper push to do what she needed to change what she was depressed about, right? Right. That's so she amazing. she hated the school her kids were in. The apartment was inappropriate, and her boss was bullying her. So sometimes when you're working with, with these emotions, Rabbi Tzvi, it really you really have more strength to change things than you think. And this woman was on her way to healing. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Sarkhana, this was so much fun. We we must bring you back another time. Enjoy the conference. Um, again, you can get the book Mootopia by Sarkhana Silverstein. Sarkhana, thank you so much. Have a good Shabbos, and we'll, we'll speak in the future. Thank you, Rabbi Tzvi. It's been a pleasure. 
Okay, wow, so much to learn, so much information, but really almost the most important part of the information is that you can be in control of your moods. Moods are not bad. It's not a bad thing to have different moods, but you do know how you do have to learn how to deal with the mood and what can help you deal with the mood. And Sarahana Silverstein is a great place to start. You can go to her webpage. She didn't even talk about her webpage, certainly on Instagram. And my time is flying. So if Angel is poster, our letter of the week is a chuff. I guess it's a, um, it's a inverted C. It's either a chuff or a cuff. Depends uh, how it's being used. It is the 11th letter in the alphabet. It, um, its numerical value is 20. And my word this week is actually kaf. Now, in, in Israel, a kaf is a spoon. But actually, a kaf is your palm. Because the palm is in the shape of a spoon. So it's really very apropos for today. First of all, when we think of a spoon, um, you just think of you know, mixing those different herbs or those, or those tinctures into your tea or however else you're going to take it, or spooning um, whatever it is you need to be eating healthy, of course. And calf is also a palm because that's what I stick out when I want to be friendly, when I want to shake hands, when I want to help you, which was really a focus that Sarah Khan has said, which is really amazing, that when I'm in a bad mood, the best thing I can do is to help somebody else, is to laugh, is to smile at someone, even though I don't feel it inside. But if I force myself to smile, if I force myself to go out of my comfort zone and help somebody, that will be amazing, and I will actually be able to be in a better mood. And I didn't even have time to end with a story today. Because here comes my music. We had a great interview. We had a great show. Lots of stuff to learn. I hope you learned a lot. And as always, thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have Kelsey, Angel, Stephen, Cole, and Andy is back there, I believe. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to NRM Streamcast. Let's talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next week, don't forget to think about it.